God, we come before you ready to continue to celebrate the victory that you have won for us through Jesus Christ. You have gone to the cross. You have risen from the grave. Salvation is ours. And so, Father, we want to continue to delight in that. We want to continue to glory in that here this morning as we get into your word and we look at the book of Proverbs. Uh, Father, we have a great need for wisdom from above. And Lord, that is from you. And so, Lord, we bring ourselves before you uh, this morning. Some of us are very weary. Some of us are very confused. Uh, Some of us have been broken down and beaten up by life. And so, Father, we are here to hear from you, to press into you, to draw near to our God. And so, Father, help us to do that today. Lord, by your spirit, meet us here as we gather as your church, Lord. We are not here to manufacture anything, Lord. We are here to meet with the living God. And so, Lord, would you meet us? Lord, it's not super complicated. Lord, we are your people and you are our God. And so, Father, we come with expectant hearts, prayerful hearts, looking to glorify you and honor you. So, Lord, would you be honored through our time today? We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll go ahead and grab a seat. And good morning, Harvest. Amen. Good morning. It is so good to be with you here today. As uh, Pastor Ray was saying, it is our 12-year anniversary. My lovely wife, Ange, is here uh, this morning with us. We left the kids at home with my parents, which I believe is a veteran move uh, to do for sure. We've been planning on, uh, on a weekend away uh, for quite some time, and, and we were hanging out with, with Ray and Natalie uh, down in Arizona back in February, and we got talking with them just about our desire to kind of get away for this, this weekend, and, and we had been throwing around the idea of coming to Ottawa, and so it just kind of worked out that we could come and be with you. We would have been here anyways, but to uh, have an opportunity to preach, I, I see that as a great uh, blessing and a great joy uh, for us, and Ange and I have really, I really just fallen in love with your city. I don't know if it's being a Leaf fan and, you know, not being a Sens fan and just feeling like I could never come here, right? I, we've come and we're like, oh, it's actually a great city. And uh, we've, we've been here since, uh, since Thursday, just walking around downtown and enjoying, you know, obviously the incredible sights and the great food that you guys have here. Uh, we've been loving every second of it. And so just appreciate your warm uh, welcome. Uh, to us for sure. And uh, as we are going to get into God's word here right now, if you would turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1. Looking forward to this. But hey, as you're getting kind of situated in that, and if you uh, need a copy of God's word, I believe that we've got ushers that are ready to give that to you. Just kind of throw your hand up over there. That's great. And grab a hold of that. And I don't know if this is normally how you do this at your church, but um, if you need to take that home with you, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, just do that. And if that needs to come out of Harvest New Market's budget, because you don't usually give those away, so be it. <laughs> but by the way, super grateful to be here from New Market. Our church says hi, for sure. It's so cool to be with another Harvest. It always just feels like homecoming here. And, and our church has been going for uh, three years now. We just celebrated three years back uh, last month, at the beginning of last month, and so grateful to see what the Lord is doing. We've been praying for you guys as a church, and super excited to see how the Lord is moving out all throughout our province and all of that. And so, uh, again, just grateful to be here. But again, as you guys are getting yourselves over to Proverbs chapter 1, um, you might know this, that there are all kinds of things that we might classify as needs in our life. All kinds of things. 
Like you wake up this morning and think, man, I need a cup of coffee. Right? I felt like that. My, I had an early morning getting up and praying and just kind of getting ready for today. And so I didn't feel like I was quite myself until I got that Starbucks in my hand and into my system. You know, we need, we need coffee. We need food in our stomachs. You know, uh, for you, maybe, you know, you work a trade and you're like, I need the right tool for the job. You know, I don't need a hammer right now. I need, I need a screwdriver. You know, for you, maybe it's, you know, I, I need that person to get back to me about that thing. You know, like, check your emails, man, or, or, or look at your phone, look at your text. I've got some decisions I need to make here, but I require your input, so get back to me. I need you. I need your help. Okay, well, this morning, again, we're going to be looking into uh, the first seven verses of uh, the book of Proverbs here, and, and the book of Proverbs is, is all about wisdom. It's all about wisdom. Now, have you ever noticed how much, how badly you need wisdom? Have you felt that way before? I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like 98% or so of my prayer life is, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. You ever feel like that? I have no clue. Lord, you know, help me, help me work my way through this situation properly. I'm not sure exactly how to navigate this. Lord, I need, I need clarity on this thing. I need clarity on this. I, God, I just, I just need wisdom. And... You know, kind of going out on a limb here, I can only imagine that I'm not, I'm not the only one, right? Life can get complex, right? Life can get complicated real fast. And maybe some of you, you're coming in here today and bringing some of that in here, you know, with you, you know, and you're just feeling, wow, wow, I, I need wisdom. Okay, well, if any of that, I don't know, strikes a chord with you at all, Proverbs is your book. Okay, Proverbs is the place to go for you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at these verses here today, which really show us kind of what, uh, what generally speaking, what, what wisdom is all about. What wisdom is all about, and, and again, how badly we need this. And so let's, um, let's read this together here. Proverbs uh, chapter 1, 1 to 7. Follow along with me as I read. This is what it says. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb in a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, we already prayed. We already got our hearts uh, before the Lord and asking for him to bless us. So let's kind of jump into this here. Now, I don't know if you've been in the Proverbs uh, anytime recently. It tends to be one of those books that we, you know, jump into and out of quite a bit. And uh, maybe you have been in there recently, but maybe not. And I think a good question to ask kind of off the top here is, uh, what is a proverb? <laughs> right? what, what, what is it? What's it all about? Well, we're going to have this up on the screen for you. A couple of things. If you're a note taker, uh, this is what it says. It's a short saying that expresses a general truth for practical, godly living. Now, something that's really important to understand is, is this. Okay? We, we, we shouldn't take every single proverb as... Uh, 100% literal. 
Okay, does that sound kind of weird for a harvest pastor to say something like that? Don't we love the literal word of God for sure? Absolutely we do. Okay, but, but we shouldn't take them as 100% literal. Neither are they promises, strictly speaking. Okay, let me give you an example of this. So, for example, okay, when Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child. Okay, you've heard this verse lots of times before. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he grows older, he shall not what? Depart from it. All right, so now does, does that mean that, that every single child who is raised in a God-fearing home will grow up for sure to follow Jesus Christ? No. Does it mean that? No. I love that. I love that answer. <laughs> He's on it. I hope the rest of us are. Right? Of course not. Right? Some kids are raised by by godly parents who are genuinely trying their best and they're bringing their needs before the Lord and, and they're crying out constantly for their kids to, to follow him. But of course, we know that sometimes children, as they grow up and they have a mind of their own, right? sometimes children decide to walk away from their upbringing. And so, listen, we need to understand a verse like this and other verses like it in the Proverbs as, you know, not as a hard and fast rule, not a, as a, a promise, but as a general truth, right? It's a general truth. The Proverbs are, are an acknowledgement of common reality, acknowledgement of common reality, all right? Meaning that generally speaking, if you raise your kids to know Jesus Christ and you are submitting yourself as a parent, as parents to the Lord in all of this, generally speaking, your kids will grow up as they're discipled, they will follow Christ. Okay, but of course there are exceptions to that. All right, so we have to really be careful here how far we push the literalness okay, of of the Proverbs. That's all that I mean by that. And again, I think it's pretty good for us to understand that. We're jumping into Proverbs 1, the first couple of verses here through this. Good for us to sort of have our bearings here, as again, it's one of those books that we tend to interact with a lot. Now, if Proverbs okay, are, are full of practical wisdom to help each one of us live godly lives, okay, would you agree that you need some of that? Okay, would you agree with that? Sure. I know I do. Right? I, I need wisdom. I need it badly to, to, to help me navigate life circumstances. And again, I don't know if you're into jotting down notes and following all those down, but that's really the first thing here as we get into this. All right, So let's, let's now go back into these verses and start to kind of pull them apart a little bit. So take a look at verse 1 with me. It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. All right, So I think pretty clear by that verse who wrote this. Okay, it's not too much of a stretch to suggest Solomon, right? Solomon wrote this. Now, of course, there were other authors of the Proverbs as well, but Solomon certainly, you know, wrote, wrote these verses that we're looking at today. Now, Solomon, if you haven't been familiar with him, uh, he was uh, the wisest man who ever lived. If you want to jot down 1 Kings chapter 3, it talks in there about how, how Solomon had become king over God's people, and, and he was a, a righteous man who pursued the Lord, much like his father David, and, and the Lord came to him and said, ask me anything that you want and you shall receive it. And, and Solomon, as a leader over God's people, he realized, man, I, I need help with this. Right? I don't know what I'm doing, and it's, it's complicated to, to, to manage these people and know how to guide them and care for them well. So, Lord, would you give me uh, an understanding mind? That's what he asks for. And, and God you know, hears his, 
his request there, and he's so blessed by it, he says, you know what, I'm going to make you the, the wisest man who had ever lived up to that point or even beyond that. Okay, so Solomon was, was kind of the man when it came to wisdom. And so people, they, they traveled from all over the, that area of the world at that point to come and glean from, from his wise words. And so Solomon, he was, he was just super skilled and wise, right? He was, he was a skilled writer. He was a, he, he was a great poet. He was a, a scientist and, a, and an architect. He was, a, he was a manager of people for sure. He was a diplomat. Okay, but before we go thinking here that he was perfect, we know that Solomon had his vices as well, right? Probably, you know, with the ladies. I think we read about that uh, later as we go through it, for sure. But when it, came to, when it came to wisdom, as it comes to wisdom here, no one ever was or ever will be more gifted in this area than him. So literally, Solomon is the guy to come to as we're trying to figure out wisdom for our own lives. Right? He's the guy to come to. All right, so here's his purpose now for, for writing this down. Verse 2, take a look. He says this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity or fairness as he's dealing with people, to give prudence or caution to the simple. He says knowledge and discretion to the youth. All right, so if you're looking at that and you're wondering why did he, you know, write these things down? Why does he jot down the Proverbs for us? Well, well, it's to help people wise up, right? To help us with these things. We, we need help, you and I. We need help navigating all the crazy twists and turns, again, the complexities of life as we find ourselves in all kinds of different situations, the twists and, and the turns and all of these things that we get caught up in. Now, you and I, we feel this on, on a daily basis. I know I do for sure. Okay, there are just so many circumstances and situations that I find myself in, and you probably do too, where you know, it, just, it just requires such, such careful thinking. Like I've, got a, you know, I've actually got a funeral that I'll be doing uh, later this week, actually, and, and it involves family and friends and a lot of unbelievers and, and somebody that passed away that kind of grew up Catholic, and a lot of people think that this person was saved, but you know, I'm not so sure. I've got to you know, really think about how do I navigate my way through this. I can't just say whatever. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to offend every, anybody there, but, but the gospel certainly offends. And so you got to carefully think your way through different situations like this. And maybe you found yourself in those kinds of predicaments, situations that require such a specific and precise response. I got to be so careful of, of my tone and not just what I'm saying, but but how I'm saying, I, I need very acute insight here into this situation. I need, I need discernment. Have you found that? Have you found yourselves in these kind of moments? Maybe for you, it's, uh, it's like a parenting decision. Have you found that parenting is, I mean, it's just straight up crazy. Right? I mean, we have, we have young kids. Our, our kids are under 10. And, and I, you know, I find that, man, parenting is, it's a wild ride. And some of you have kids that are, that are older or, or maybe even younger than ours, but I heard somebody once say that you're always a rookie as a parent. It's so true. 
right? You have one kid and, and you know, you, you kind of get a, a feel for them as, you know, a six-month-old, but then before you know it, they're two, right? And that's crazy. And, and then later on, they're preteen, and then they're a teenager, and the whole thing, like, you're just learning on the fly, and you're responding and reacting to so many situations. But here's the thing. Along comes child number two. Guess what? Still a rookie. Because that kid's just like a little different, right? And so you've gone through it with one kid, but the second kid, maybe like, well, they're wired a little bit differently. And then you have three, and that, that third kid is just a wild card entirely. That's why we stuck at two. God bless you if you have three. But you, you realize that, right? Like, you're always a rookie as a parent. We need, we need wisdom in this. You know, how we, how we lead them as four or five-year-olds is, is just so different than when they're, you know, 14, 15. Not always, but, but often, right? It's different, and so we need wisdom. Maybe for you, it's, it's a career decision. And for you, maybe you just find yourself at a point in this where you're like, well, I, I have an opportunity. Or I, could, I could stay with this company, and I could, you know, work my way up, and it's kind of going slowly, and maybe it's a big company, and, you know, do I, there, there's some stability here, but it's going to be, you know, the career path that I want is going to take more time, and, you know, do I, do I stick with it, or do I join this kind of flashy new startup thing, and, and, and I get kind of a, a more prominent position in that, and, and maybe more money involved, but it's also, it's new, and there's nothing stable about it, or does it require a, a move out of a different city, and where is my family at, or is this a good time for us to do that, and, you know, is there a great church in that? That town and our, you know, we have to think about all of these things too, right? It's, it's maybe a career choice. I need wisdom in that. I got to think carefully about this. Maybe it's, maybe it's relationship challenges. And for you, it's a situation where you've been offended, you've been hurt, and you're trying to think through, like, do I just, do I just get over this? Do I just kind of forgive the person? I don't have to have a conversation with them. I just got to move on and stop bringing it up to myself and, and certainly to other people. Or is this something where I, I actually need to go talk to this person about it? Or, or you see something in a person's life that's not right and doesn't honor the Lord and that person claims to be a Christ follower. And, you know, I need to, I need to go say something, but I want to be careful about this. And I don't want to hurt the person. I, wanna, I want them to see how, how much I love them. Right? There are challenges in relationships Big time. Listen, there's not an area of life that doesn't require wisdom. You know, thankfully, thankfully, God gets it, right? He gets it. And he gave Solomon this incredible wisdom, not just for Solomon's sake, not, the, not just so that he could be, you know, the wisest guy who ever lived, and not even just for Israel's sake, so that he could guide them, but so, that, so he could write these things down so that you and I could read this you know, all of these centuries later. Okay, now just look at some of the words here again. Okay, he wants you to, to, to know wisdom, it says, and instruction. Literally, that means to, to seek these things, to, to ask about them. It says that he wants you to receive it. You see the word receive there? Meaning, don't reject it. Don't reject it. Not one, in one ear and, and out the other. Okay, he wants... He wants to give you insight. He wants you to be wise in your dealings and be righteous and a, and a just person, it says, and, and fair to people and, and, and cautious, not just, not just charging ahead and moving ahead without the Lord. Okay, and not simple. I love that. He doesn't want you to be naive and not understand things. He wants you to be full of knowledge, it says, and discretion. He wants you to be able to make good decisions in life. Now, all of these things, all of these words that you read here, all of that really encompasses 
the different facets of wisdom, what wisdom is. It's kind of like a junk drawer with a bunch of these terms. Okay, listen, as, as lost as you and I sometimes, you know, feel in this life, you know, if we're honest, I'm being honest here, right? I, I need the Lord in so many areas, in every area. Okay, as lost as we might feel, isn't it so good and so refreshing and so comforting to know that the Lord's got our back? Right? How great is that? That's why we're here today, right? We're drawing into the Lord here because we want to press into him and glean from him and get wisdom that is, that is from above. He wants to help you navigate through the twists and turns of life. Now, you might be thinking, well, okay, that's, that's awesome, that's great, but, but how do I get that? Right? How, do, how do I get that wisdom? How do I, how do I leverage the Lord in an appropriate sense and, and get help from him? How do, how do I get the Lord to rush to my aid and, and impart the, the wisdom that I desperately need here? Well, the answer is pretty simple. You ask him. Right? You ask him. I love James 1 verse 5. It, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives in teeny tiny little amounts and really stingily. No, it doesn't say that. You guys already know the verse. Let him ask God who gives generously, or who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay? Sometimes we think the, that the answer is so complicated, and I've got to jump through a bunch of hoops. I've got to, you know, perform and sing and dance to get, to get God to pay attention to me and to be impressed by me and my, my righteousness and my holy living so that hopefully, if God isn't too busy, maybe he'll throw me a bone a little bit and give me a little tiny bit of what he has to kind of, to kind of help me out just a touch. That's not the way that it works. That's not what the scriptures tell us. It's simple. Just, just go to him and ask. Just ask the Lord and, and he'll give it to you. Okay, and that desperate feeling that you and I get when we're, you know, we're crying out to the Lord and we are, you know, we're asking him and, and that sense that you have within you that I've just, I've got to have that thing. And, and this isn't just kind of a, a, a walk in the park kind of conversation with the Lord. No, this is, this is desperation. I am on my knees. There, there are tears hitting the floor. You know, listen, that, that, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Because God's showing you and I, he's showing us our 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 need for him, how, how badly we need him and, and the wisdom that he provides. Okay, if we didn't have that, that, that sense of our need for wisdom, God knows that we would just be far too self-sufficient and, and proud and, and way too arrogant to, to come to him and, and ask. Okay, so that neediness that you might be sensing, even here this morning, listen, that is a good thing. That is a really great thing. Don't, don't disdain that. Don't wish that away. Okay, appreciate that. That neediness is so great because it keeps us dependent. And that's exactly what a relationship with the Lord is really supposed to be. I believe maybe the biggest reason that we find ourselves in these situations where we lack wisdom and, and we need help and, and we're crying out and it's that desperation is because those, those situations are so extremely humbling for us, right? They're humbling. And when we're humble, we stop looking at ourselves and we start, you know, looking towards the Lord and, and he just delights in showing us his incredible power and, and his incredible strength when we've been kind of, when we've been emptied of ourselves and, and, and we're so needy and we've been, we've been humbled, 
Right? You and I, we need this. Right? We're not as strong as we like to think that we are sometimes. Life is, it's just straight up tough to navigate. Okay, but God's here to help. Okay, so you need to go to your God and you need to ask him for it. This is all building to the second thing here in your notes. Okay, I need wisdom, which requires teachability on my part. All right, verse 5, take a look at this here. It says, it says let, the, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And let the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. You notice there from that verse how you never stop learning. Do you see that there? It says increase in learning. Increase. As in, as in keep going with it. As in pile on more learning. And it says, and, the, and to the one who, who understands, okay, so the one who's figured some things out, the one who has learned, let him obtain guidance. As in even, even more, uh, more direction. Now, why is, this, why is this important to note here? Well, because sometimes, you know, Christians, we tend, we tend to think, and maybe we wouldn't say this out loud, but I think sometimes we tend to think that, that because we, we know some theology and we know some doctrine, and those are very important things here at your church, and they're incredibly important things for us as believers, but sometimes we think that just because we know some theology, we know some, some doctrine, and we can point to where some verses are, and we think that because of that, we've attained wisdom. As in, as in we, we've made it. We've arrived. Okay, now two things about that. Okay, first of all, you never graduate from the school of, of wisdom. You never graduate from that. Okay, so understand this. You're, you're never going to be a part of this graduation ceremony where you, you know, walk across the stage and someone is going to hand you a diploma and you shake the hands and you have, you know, you, the gown on and the grin on your face and then you move the tassel and you throw that. Okay, that, that's never happening. Okay, not in this life where you've, where you've attained wisdom and I've got, I've got nowhere left to go in all of this. Okay, and, and, and truly wise people understand that. Okay, we've got to increase in learning. Here's the second thing to understand about that. Okay, knowing theology and, and knowing doctrine okay, doesn't mean that you're necessarily wise. Okay, it doesn't mean that. Okay, I kind of think of like you know, first-year Bible college students. Okay, there are Bible colleges all over North America with first-year students who have kind of taken you know, like an intro to theology course or an intro to discipleship course, and, and maybe they did really well on their exams and their papers, and they sort of come out of that with kind of chests out, and like, I've kind of learned some things now, and you know, I'm going to go back home, and you know, I want to have a conversation with Pastor Ray, and I want to tell him a, a thing or two, and maybe he's never considered this before. And, right? and again, knowing theology doesn't mean you're wise, okay? Though, though knowledge is certainly a part of it, okay, understand this. Wisdom is much more than knowledge. Okay, this is what wisdom is. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Okay, and we're, that, that, that's a good definition of, of what wisdom is. It's the application of knowledge. Okay, so, so understand this. We're only wise when we've learned to apply the knowledge that we have we got to live according to that knowledge. That's what it is. 
And, and listen, that's, that's a never-ending process for us in this life that requires teachability on our part. Okay, so let me really, I don't know, kind of challenge you here this morning. If you've been a, a Christ follower for, you know, maybe even a Christ follower for a while, maybe it's been for a really long time, Okay, really search your heart here as we're going through this and, and really ask yourself the question, am I, am I still teachable? Am I a teachable follower of Jesus? Because what often happens, you know, when someone gets saved is, is they have, and maybe you've seen this before, maybe this has been a part of your life, you have that sort of rapid moment, a season of growth right at the beginning, Right? And maybe you remember, this is true for me, I remember coming to the Lord and, and learning so many things and meeting with people and people were pouring into me and it was so helpful and so beneficial in my life and I felt like I was learning something new every single day and I'm reading the scriptures with, with new eyes and worship songs was having a huge impact and I remember growing and growing and growing like crazy. Right, You start to, to kind of learn the Bible and you know, how, this, how this book works. And oh yeah, Old Testament, New Testament, and I see the gospel in there and I see Jesus through the entire thing. And, you know, I see my, you know, what the, what the Lord has done for me. And I, I'm kind of learning the Bible a little bit and, and, and how that was put together. And I'm also learning how the, how the church works and, and, and my part in this. And, and this is how I use my gifts and how I, how I serve. And listen, we learn all of that kind of near the beginning in, in many cases. We start to get familiar with all of that. And, but what can happen if we're not careful and if we're not teachable is that we can kind of fall into this kind of dangerous, this, this hazardous, pride-filled place where we kind of have this mindset of, I've kind of figured this out. I've kind of figured out how the Christian life works. I, I know in general what the Lord expects of me. I, I kind of know how to carry myself here. I, and, and even we, we, got, we would be so careful to not say this, but but we even kind of think on a heart level somewhere, I've, you know, I've, most of my growth is kind of in the rearview mirror. I, I've made it most of the way in my, in my sanctification, in my walk with the Lord. I've only got a, I've only got a short way to go. I remember being back in my early 20s and, and I had grown up in the church and was really just, Kind of an idiot, if I can just say that, uh, you know, my whole life, and wasn't really following the Lord and, and all of it, but kind of looked the part on the outside, and the Lord had to really do some breaking, and I'm really thankful for that. But I remember there was, there was kind of one big issue in my life that the Lord went after and, and broke down, and, and I remember thinking, I remember going on a walk with the Lord and, and, and praying, and I used to do that around my neighborhood a lot, and I remember praying and, and really kind of thinking like, wow, the, the, kind of the biggest issue of my life, the Lord has kind of taken care of, and he's, he's worked me through this, and, and, I, and I can't even imagine that there's really all that much more left to do in this heart. Right, you're right to snicker and laugh. Right, how foolish, right, how foolish. And of course, over time, praise the Lord, he's, he's shown me, uh, yeah, right, buddy, you got a long way to go. Long way to go. Only again here, we, you know, maybe for us, we, you found yourself in that kind of position, but the dangerous thing for us is that we tend to have the outward game kind of down pat. Right? We know how to play church. 
We have all the, 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 the Christian phrases. We know how to say all of the glory to God's at the end of the sentence so that we know we're, we try and show people that we're not holding on to that and claiming that for ourselves. And so we have this, this outward look of piety and, and holiness and all of that. But, but inside our hearts, we can, be, we can be covering up and hiding the pride that's there and the lack of, of teachability. Can I just say danger, right? Danger for you and I if that's where we're at. Okay, people who think that they've arrived at maturity and, and Christ-likeness and, and wisdom, listen, those people always lack teachability. Always. And hey, it becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. It's not just one of those areas you can kind of manage. No, it, it, it leaks out of you. And it becomes a problem in, in the church. And sometimes people who think that they've arrived and, and I'm one of the mature people, listen, those are the most judgmental people in the church. And, and, and sometimes those people are like, you know, I should be in leadership. And, and, you know, I've kind of paid my dues here. And, you know, I've been greeting or all these kind of positions that we think are lesser positions in the church. And I should be a small group leader now. And I've been attending small group. And, you know, I've been kind of showing that I know how to say all the right answers. And, you know, why, why aren't they considering me for, you know, being an apprentice in a small group? Or why not me for being an elder or running the men's ministry or the women's ministry? Right? And maybe you become the person you're always wanting to give advice, but you're never willing to receive it. Right? There's no servant heart. You become critical and crusty. Listen, the list just goes on. It becomes a problem in the church. It becomes a problem in our, in our marriages, for sure. As you stop being teachable and you think that it's your spouse who, you know, it's up to him or it's up to her. That person needs to change. My life would be a whole lot better if they just figured it out. And again, it's been so good for Ange and I to come and have the last few days just kind of walk around Ottawa and chat and talk and, and realize we've got, we, we've got some, some room to grow, right? We really do. And it's not just about her changing and it's not just about uh, me changing, right? We've both got to be teachable in all of this. And of course, I've got to lead in all of that, right? So it can be a problem in our marriages and it can be a problem in our parenting as well. You know, my kid needs to figure it out, and the harsher I get, the more they're going to figure it out. And oh, maybe you need to, maybe you need to draw near to your kids too. Maybe you need to, need to build a relationship with them, show them how much you love them. Maybe it's the other end of the spectrum. You need to actually discipline your kids. Right? It's about love. It's about love. It's about grace. It's about kindness. It's about being their buddy. It's about all of that stuff. And some of that stuff is really great and very necessary and very good. But the pendulum has swung too far the other way, and you need to actually discipline and raise your kids. You need to show them that what they're doing is wrong. I had someone say to me once a long time ago, deal with them when they're four or five years old, or you're going to be dealing with that when they're 14, 15 years old. Okay, but understand, we need to have a teachable heart in all of these things. Actual wisdom understands that as far as you may have come, and hopefully it's far, you've got a long way to go. Okay, so where are you at? Where are you at? Are you teachable? Where would you sense that you're at in your relationship with the Lord on all of these things? You might be like, well, how can I tell this? Well, we've got this up on the screen for you. I am teachable when, okay, I'm teachable when, uh, four things, here's the first one, I respond well to a rebuke. I'm teachable when I respond well to a rebuke. Now listen, have you ever been rebuked before? That's hard, okay, that's hard. I, I, I don't know that I've ever, I mean, this would be the ideal, but I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody who's been rebuked and been like, wow, that was just amazing, thank you so much for that. You know, like, actually, I, I don't think you've gone far enough. Could you, could you, could we, can we, you know, 
lengthen this conversation? And can you really just peel back the layers and really get after the nerve there? No. Most of us aren't there. Right? You respond well to a rebuke shows that you're teachable. It shows that there's humility there. And there's, there's maybe repentance. My, my old pastor used to say that when someone had to rebuke him, he would often not like that at the beginning, just like most of us. But he said as the Spirit was working in his heart, and he saw it working in the heart of other people uh, as well, he said eventually we would humble ourselves and, and repent of, of that sin and that pride and that arrogance and that unwillingness to look at who we are and how we really are. And, and eventually we would go and apologize to that person. And, and I think that's a great evidence of the Lord working and the Spirit moving. And, and oh, that we would get to the point where we can respond well to, a, to rebuke, even if it's not handled perfectly on that person's end. But it shows great teachability when we do that. Here's the second thing. I have a desire to learn. I have a desire to learn. Okay, again, maybe you back to, you know, when you were first growing in the Lord, and maybe you're in that season right now, which is so cool, and you're just like soaking it up like a sponge. It's like, I want to read, and I want to, you know, I want to come to church, and I listen to every single pastor's podcast, and I'm just, you know, it's sermon after sermon and teaching after teaching, and I'm soaking it up. It's all great. Okay, do you still have that? That real, like, I, I want to learn, and and I, and I don't have this all figured out, and I'm, I'm still curious about certain things, and I realize that I can't exhaust the Lord, and, and I want to continue to press into him, and I'm not afraid to ask questions, and I want to know this. I have, I have a desire to learn. That shows obvious teachability. Here's a third one. I have a desire to serve. I have a desire to serve. So, so not being the I-need-to-be-a-leader guy, Okay, I, I must lead in order to be effective. No, you've come to serve. Jesus came to serve. Be like Jesus. Right? I, I, I want to I wanna serve. And, and not grudgingly. Right? Well, I hear pastor guys saying this. So, all right, fine. I'll put, in my, I'll, I'll put in my time. I'll pay my dues. All of that. And I'll serve. Fine. But it's only until you know, someone finally recognizes the awesome work that I'm doing for the kingdom. Okay, not grudgingly. A desire to serve and just to love people and pour yourself out. Here's the fourth one. I'm teachable when I'm obedient. I'm obedient. At the end of the day, that's, that's the litmus test. Okay, that's, that's to the scriptures. That's to the Lord. That's submission to the leaders God has placed in your life. You know, are, are you obedient to God? Are you obedient to his word? Not that you're reading that and then doing some like kind of mental and, and verbal gymnastics to kind of get out from what the Lord says and kind of make it more in line with your desires and, and your thought and, and all of that. No, like it's just straight up, I'm following the Lord, even where it's difficult, even when it's tough. Are you teachable? Okay, if not, guess what? Proverbs has a word for us. It has a word for you if we lack teachability. And I'm telling you right now, it is not a pretty word. It calls us a fool. It says that we're fools. We're going to see it in a second here. Okay, wisdom requires teachability. You can't be wise without it. Okay, third thing here, last thing. I need wisdom. And it begins with fearing the Lord. It begins with that. Okay, verse 7, take a look here. Verse 7 so great. It says this, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, there's that word, fools despise Wisdom and instruction. Okay, first of all, let's look at the first part there. First off, what, is it, what does it mean to fear the Lord? 
I think there's, there's some general kind of confusion about all of this, sometimes for us, and, and sometimes, again, we're, we're too far one way or the other way when it comes to fearing the Lord. Well, this will be on the screen here. What does it mean to fear the Lord? First one, awe and wonder. Awe and wonder. There's a component of fear in the scriptures that, that means reverence. It means revering the Lord. It's, it's, it's deep seated respect and, and just flat out awe as we look at him and as we open the pages of the scriptures and, and as we look out on creation, as we think through what God has done in our life and what he is doing in our church and all that he promises to do with his creation, all of that, there's just a sense of awe and, and wonder that should grip our souls in all of that. As we think of God himself, right, that he is holy and, and that he is just and that he is righteous and that he is good, all of that. We can't, we can't, again, we can't exhaust that. We can't fully figure all of that out with, with our finite minds and, and his omniscience and, in, and his omnipotence and all of that. At the end of the day, we should, we should be filled with awe. We should be... It's just a sense of, wow, Lord, how great are you? How awesome are you? That's what it means to fear the Lord. That's a huge part of it. Here's the second one here. Holy terror. Holy terror. I don't mean terror in the sense of this place where you're constantly anxious and, and, and to the place of, of worried all the time because of the Lord and, and I can't trust him and oh no, what is he going to do to me? And you know, I didn't you know, perform all of my duties as a good Christian or whatever, so the Lord's going to smite me. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. All right? Holy terror is this idea of understanding the, the sheer power of God and, and what he is his capable of. It's terror of his, of his discipline. Have you ever been disciplined by the Lord? And I, I went through this and I've gone through it at different periods of my life. And I'm telling you, that is, that is a, a terrible place in some ways to be in. Where the Lord just starts to, to kind of pull the pins of your pride out from underneath you. And you think you know a thing or two. Or you think you're, you're standing stubbornly and refusing to, to bow your heart before him. He's like, all right, fine. I'll just, I'll just pull that carpet out from underneath you and you can fall flat. Listen, his discipline is a scary thing, but it's an awesome thing. And in time, we grow to really appreciate it. I'm so thankful for how the Lord has has crushed me in many ways, for sure. And there's, there's a holy sense of terror that comes with that. Like, wow, I don't, I don't want to go too far down this road that I sense my heart going down in, in, in sin and pride and all of that because of what the Lord could do should he choose. Okay, holy terror is a big part of fearing the Lord. Here's the third one. Humility and submission. Humility and submission. You can talk a good game all you want about fearing the Lord But if you are not truly from the heart a humble person, if you have not truly submitted your life, your will, your desires, wants, hopes, dreams, priorities, time, money, finance, family, career, all of it, if you haven't submitted that to the Lord, there's some area of your life where where you just don't fear him. I love the visual and the picture of being taken to the mat. Where, where the Lord has just, he's humbled you and he's got you like in that, 
in, in that chicken wing or that, or, that, or that arm bar down on the mat. He's wrestling you and, and you're done with the whole wrestling against that and, and pushing away from him and trying to get out of it and flip him over and all that. It's like, no, like I'm tapping out, right? I, I, I've stopped wrestling. I've stopped fighting. Lord, it's your way all the way. That's humility and submission. That is, that's fearing the Lord. Now let's keep going here. Notice, notice how fear of God is the starting place for wisdom. I find that so interesting there. The word in the text is beginning, right? It's the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Okay, so it's, it's not the finish line. Okay, fearing the Lord is not something that, that we, you know, eventually arrive at and then we get wisdom, then we get knowledge. Okay, it says here, if you don't fear the Lord, you haven't even, you haven't even started the race towards wisdom. Do you catch that? All right, others are maybe, you know, breaking the tape. They're, they're passing through the finish line. The, the medals are being put around their neck, okay? But you're still sort of sitting in the dressing room, fumbling with your, you know, racing spikes, your shoes, your, your shorts, whatever it may be, because you don't fear the Lord. Wisdom is, is it's, it's a distant thing for you. Listen, if, if you've gotten away from the place where, where your heart is, is genuinely you know, shaken by this, by this fear of the Lord, you may be thinking, well, how do, how do I get back to that? Or maybe, maybe you've never been there before. I've got to say this, really the, the pathway back to all of this will always and only be by way of repentance. Right? Repentance. That, that really means just agreeing with God about what he says about you, about what he says about sin. You, you, you cannot, listen, you cannot circumnavigate around, around repentance and somehow arrive at fear of the Lord and wisdom. Okay, so for you, if there's too much pride, there's, there's too much you know, self-assurance, too much I've arrived syndrome going on in your life, in your heart. Listen, would you just lay that down before the Lord in, in heartfelt sorrow? Okay, fear the God who, listen, understand this, he could end you if he wanted to. That's what he could do. That's what he's capable of. Now, if you're in Christ Jesus and you know him personally, you don't have to worry about that. He's not going to. He's going to be gracious to you. He's going to lovingly draw you back in. But, but that's a sobering thought, isn't it? To think about the power of the Lord and how he can humble and, and crumble us. Yeah, that's wisdom. And hey, some of you, I can just imagine in a room this size, you want need, uh, wisdom. You need wisdom. And you're like, yeah, God, I, I, I need this from you. I need your help in some area of my life. Well, listen, you need to understand that before you can get that help from the Lord, you need to be in a relationship with him, right? That's really what it is. You need to know him personally. Getting wisdom from the Lord starts with a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You think you need wisdom. You need Jesus, and it begins with, with accepting and receiving the gospel. Understanding that, that Jesus Christ went to the cross 2,000-ish years ago okay, to secure your salvation. He went there to pay the price that all of your sin, all of my sin, deserved. 
You and I, we deserve wrath. We deserve punishment, judgment, eternity in hell. We deserve weeping and gnashing because all of our sin is ultimately against a holy God who created us to be in a relationship with him. Each and every time you and I sin, it's like we are shaking our fists in pride and defiance to the Lord. God could have, you might even say should have, just flicked us off the face of the earth because of that. But in his great love, he's like, you know what? I want to save them. I want to rescue them from their arrogance and their pride. I realize that they can't do anything to appease me. They can't do anything to fix this. They are thoroughly, fully, completely corrupt. Right? They're, they're broken. I'm the only one that, that can fix this, this broken relationship between me and my, and my creation. And so that's why he came. And that's why he lived the perfect life that you and I could never Listen, stop that, that weary pursuit of, of trying to impress God. You can't do it. You can't do it. Jesus did it for you. He died to cover all of your sin. Listen, if you would admit that, if you would understand all of that, if you would cry out to the Lord to say, Lord, I, I am a sinner. It's against you, Lord. Would you be my Savior, Lord? I recognize that what you did on the cross, that was for me to know you have my sins forgiven. If you would do that, listen, you'd be a follower of Jesus Christ today. That's an amazing thing. That's the most amazing thing. And understand, listen, that will be you now on the path towards wisdom. On the path towards the Lord meeting you wherever you're at in your life and helping you and helping you navigate that and giving more of your life over to him. So listen, I want to pray for us now and just cry out to the Lord on your behalf and ask him to help us. Again, I don't know what situation you find yourself in right now, but I know that you need the Lord and so do I. And so why don't you just join me as I pray in your heart and I don't know if you've ever done this before, but maybe just kind of, you know, depending on where you're at and your comfort level, if you would even just like, I don't know, you can get down on your knees if you like right there where you're sitting. Turn around, face your chair, and just cry out to the Lord. It shows humility. It's just a picture of humility before the Lord. You can do that. You can have your hands raised as I pray. You're, you're stretching out for the Lord. You're, you're reaching for him. So I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or weird about any of that. But listen, sometimes we just need the Lord. And in response, we, we recognize that we feel like we need to act. Well, act along with me here as we pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your awesome word that guides us and directs us. Lord, we thank you that you yourself loves us, Lord. How sobering of a thought is that, that the God of all creation, the God who made the solar system, the God that made the planet that we walk on, who keeps it in place, keeps it from imploding, cares about little old us. Lord, I pray that in a right way, we would feel so small today. We would have such a clear picture of your goodness and your largeness. And God, I pray that we would trust you. We would continue to give our hearts over to you, Lord, that we continue to seek you and the wisdom that you provide, Lord. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, continue to have mercy on us. Continue to, to show us your kindness. Continue to show us your love here today. I pray, Lord, that as we sing, I pray that we would exalt the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, as we, 
as we understand that you are above and you are over absolutely everything. Lord, be honored by this, we pray. In Christ's name.